Welcome to X-Rated. We're your hosting team. I'm Ryan Whedon. Don't you mean Ryan Whedon? Why, yes, I do. And I'm, of course, Matthew Fisher. I need no introduction. Welcome. Welcome, fair listener. You're in for a treat tonight. Let's hope so. Welcome to this magical fairyland. Ryan and I being the fairies, of course, for another hour of podcast magic. This is weird. So, you can't tell from where you're sitting, but for 54 episodes, Ryan and I have recorded on the same seat on the same couch, and for some reason he wanted to get a little kinky, (laughs) throw some spice into our life. He wanted to switch seats this time around. It's a choice I'm not entirely comfortable with yet let's just try it i mean who knows maybe we'll see his posture is very uncomfortable and i've seen ryan in some awkward positions before (laughs) does it seem unnatural Mm, i can't say that you're enjoying it yet but we've both encountered things that we didn't enjoy at first right exactly and we learned to love them so who knows by the end of this episode maybe i'll always want to sit on this side and you always that side yeah i'm open to trying new things yeah Let's just see where this, this liminal space takes us. Anything I can do to help ease the transition? Just got to breathe <laughs> and uh, relax into it. Yeah. Luckily, I do have some lube here. Podcast lube. Podcast lube, yeah. <laughs> I, better have, I better have a little bit of that, too. So, Matt, I wanted to mention something that I did recently Mm -hmm. i went with my partner tim he's a high school teacher and we went to a choir concert Mm -hmm. uh, that was performed at the high school and i gotta say i think i've got some high school trauma yeah it was strange going back to a high school this was you said choir it was a choir yeah all the choirs acapella some acapella the acapella ones were great oh there were also a couple numbers that um some of them took me back to performances I did, choir performances in small groups that I really stunk up and <laughs> made me realize maybe high school wasn't as smooth as I remembered it. How about you? Any, any, did, was your high school experience just a smooth slip and slide on butter or <laughs> what? Uh, it, yeah, it, it was on butter if you're referring to the movie Last Tango in Paris where Marlon Brando violently, anally rapes Maria Scheider using butter as lubricant. Um, it was closer to that than, oh. I, I think, the the sequence and dance numbers. I was not a popular high schooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even eat lunch in the cafeteria. Like, that's how mm-hmm. low on the, the popularity rung I was. I see. Um, where did you eat lunch? Uh, some friends and I hung out near the stairwell. I ate lunch under the stairs. Yeah, I mean, this was... If our stairs had unders, <laughs> that's probably where we would have eaten. Uh, Everyone called us the people under the stairs. After the Wes Craven movie? Yes. Okay. Um, It was just me, and it was just a group of my friends. Either that or we ate outside, weather permitting. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't into the whole high school thing. All those people who say that high school is the best years of your life, that's a lot of bullshit. Either that or they're just very sad people after high school. Maybe. I, w- I would, in fact, say 
High school was the second worst time of my life. Oh my. Junior high being one. Now, junior high was probably the worst time of my life because it was like, I didn't even know I was gay, so I just didn't understand why I was angry all the time. Mm. It was a lot of like, really like furious masturbation. Like jerking it hard, thinking about girls and not getting off. Yeah. And yeah, I think that changed when I was like 13 or 14. Did you ever watch straight porn, like, trying to... Oh, sure. Yeah. Because, uh, like, Channel 99 or something was, like, the scrambled pornography channel. Right, oh, yeah. And every now and again, it would scramble just right that you could, like, see a titty. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, not titillating. And I used to, like, take a peek at, like, my stepdad's hustlers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the girl-on-girl stuff and, like, the opening of the chambers, like, never did it for me. But they'd have guys in there, too, and, like, those were the, always the ones that did it for me. Yeah. And I remember there was, like, a turning point when it was, like, their, I don't know, thousandth issue or something, some big anniversary issue, and a guy was getting pegged in it. Oh. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> boy <Boy-o-yo-yo-yo-ing. laughs> uh, This actually um, makes me realize why you related to Mysterious Skin so much. Because he talks about the guys in his mom's Hustler Mag. No. In her mom's... His mom's... Blue Boy Magazine? What did she read? I don't remember. She had dirty magazines. Yeah, but I mean... Playgirl, probably. Oh, yeah, it was probably Playgirl. Mm -hmm. Fun fact. Every member of Congress, it's a free issue of Hustler every month. Thank you, Larry Flint. Yep, you make sure that they know their constitutional limits there. That This is free speech. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your free issue of Hustler. Yeah, love it. Did you see that thing? This is so, going to be so old by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> but that woman in Texas who got called in by the sheriff because she had a thing on her uh, pickup truck that said, fuck you, Trump, and fuck you for voting for him or something like that. Okay. And then the sheriff called in and was like, we just want to talk. He made a Facebook post. It was like, if this is your truck or you know whose this is, please direct them to me. We want to talk to you. We're, we're only going to charge you with like disturbing the peace or something like that. So she went in. They arrested her for a couple days and then they, she was finally let go. What? I know. Yeah, this is bullshit. She was finally let go. The day she gets let go, she puts a decal up that says, fuck the sheriff and fuck <gasps> you for voting for yeah. him. Yeah. She's like, she's the hero we need right now. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck that guy. She's allowed to put that on her car. Yeah, I mean, we had absolutely. To, I mean, as liberals, like we had to deal with like eight years of like horrendous racist bullshit being lobbed at Obama. Yeah, and like none of us called for like them to be arrested. No, like we're all like, "You're ignorant. Don't do that. Please go away and stop that now." But like, no one issued arrests for that. Yeah, much less like the low key threatening way where it's like, I'm not going to charge you with something horrible. I'm just charging you with this. Yeah. Like there's no bargaining here. You have no bargaining chips. Sure. Fuck you. And fuck you for voting for him. (laughs) If we have any Texas listeners. Anyway, high school wasn't fun for me, (laughs) but the, the transition from high school to post high school was actually very smooth. Like once I was out of high school, I was like, I like came out to everyone and basically new people who met me, like knew that me being gay was part of it. Sure. Like, 
I ceased having to come out to new people. Mm-hmm. Like it was like known, or if it wasn't known, like they would figure it out in one way or another. Or you were comfortable enough to just say it out, just get it out. Yeah, like the Isn't only that nice. Oh, like I can't imagine having to like go back in the closet for any reason now. I remember, yeah, I can remember a time when I was like in jobs and things like that. And like having that fear of getting a new job and being like, oh, I'm going to have to come out all over again. Yeah. And then now I've just reached a point where it's like, that's part of the package. Yeah. And if you hate me because of that, you suck. <laughs> yeah. And I can't, I can't help you anymore. <laughs> you also don't realize what a weight being in the closet is until you're out of it for a while. Yeah. Like a year or so, like being like out and proud. Then when you have to like go back to like, let's say you're not totally out to your family or something, Mm -hmm. going back into that class, I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Like this, like there's so much pressure on me that I didn't realize was there before. And also uh, you said wait. And I was like, did you mean waste? But like, it is a waste. It's a total waste of energy to be in the closet. (laughs) Like, fuck that. I mean, think of all that hot, you know, teenage action you could have gotten back then too. I know. Ugh. Uh, except when I went to my cousin's high school graduation, I was like, oh God, these are all just trolls. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Teenagers are not fully baked, people. Put them back in the oven. Well, I, I will say, I was looking around, I was like, some of these girls, like, they look like young women. Mm-hmm. Like, I can I can see why Roy Moore goes for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the boys, I'm like, no, they're still, like, in the claws of puberty. Yeah. Like, they are lumpy and they're acne ridden i'm like this is disgusting they look like they're halfway between transforming into a werewolf (laughs) yeah they're those middle scenes in american werewolf in london (laughs) or today's movie smooth transition (laughs) today's movie being harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban i'm so so excited (laughs) ryan is visibly excited uh and i i'm a little excited too i picked this movie Mm -hmm. but uh, a little background on why i picked this movie a i'm in the thralls of my uh franchise stuff whatever i want to call it enfranchisement enfranchisement oh that's good I just came up with that. So I wanted to work a fantasy movie in, like not science fiction, not action, but like solidly fantasy. Mm-hmm. And the only real big fantasy franchises are this and Lord of the Rings. Right. And the Lord of the Rings, well, A, the first one's on AFI, and I vetoed it, if you'll recall correctly. Yeah, um, wholeheartedly. Yeah, no, I wasn't into it. Full-throated veto. And I don't know, the, the Return of the King won like... 11 oscars or something i'm like i don't want to do that one and then like so was that like like two towers because i'm not going to do a hobbit movie um and i was like i just just, i'm not feeling it i'm not Mm -hmm. feeling it so then i was like okay that leaves harry potter but i haven't seen all the harry potter movies okay i've seen one four six seven eight so the only one you haven't seen at this point is two uh and five and five okay to the movie and to the book are not great, but they contain 
moments that are referenced more than any other book. Oh. So it's a very integral to the series book. Now would also be a good time. I've never read any of the books. Okay. And you have. I have. I've read all the books. I've seen all the movies. I don't want to call myself a Potter geek because I am a dilettante by You're nature. You're not a pothead? <laughs> well, let's not go too far here. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a dilettante by nature and I don't get full geek on anything. I will commit to a certain point and then I sort of like flutter off and look into something else. Okay. But I did read all the books. I did watch all the movies. I, I do, you know, I did the test as to which house I'm in, etc. Second reason why I chose this one is because this is sort of universally regarded as the best of the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. And usually when I'm going to watch an entry in a franchise because I watch movies for pain instead of pleasure. Mm-hmm. I have to watch the whole damn franchise. Sure. But in this instance, I got this wild hair to see it sort of out of context. Okay. I wanted to see if this was a good movie or if it was just a good Harry Potter movie. Ooh, I want to know where you landed on that. So, yeah, I wanted I wanted to see this sort of out of context, away from other Harry Potter movies, and like away from just indoctrination of the franchise in general. Okay. Overall, I'd say it's a good movie, not a great movie. Fair. I I fully plan to like go back one day and watch the full, you know, Harry Potter franchise in its entirety, in its order, and then like make a a reinformed decision based on it then. But in this instance, I wanted to just see if this was a good standalone movie. I think there are elements to it that you can enjoy even without knowing that it's a Harry Potter movie. Yeah, there's a lot of it. It doesn't seem like it's still canonical, but it doesn't really seem to hinder on too much knowledge. Like you kind of have to know who Voldemort is Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to know about Harry's parents. Mm -hmm. And other than that, you can kind of piece everything else together for the most part. There is one thing that I'll mention later that seemed to come out of nowhere for me. Okay. I would say also what makes it strong as its own movie is that there are themes that run through it that are nice. Okay. Time being one of them. But then also just like there's a really great interplay and like symbolism of light and dark in this movie. I did notice that too. And that is something that was missing in the first two that is introduced in this one. Oh, okay. That I think is another reason why people see it as one of the best ones in the series. Okay. Because it's like you have these two that are clearly children's movies. Mm -hmm. Bright colored, really happy fun go times this is the first one that starts off very dark Mm -hmm. literally dark yeah and stays that way like this is a moody rainy darkness filled harry potter movie lots of shadows happens a lot happens at night the book itself is darker than the previous two entries correct uh yeah and it's uh it's my favorite one for a few reasons Mm -hmm. one is that she she does start to introduce these themes of of time is one also the the light and dark shadow also the idea of duplicity Mm. uh, which we get a little bit with lupin here uh but harry sort of sees the duplicity of his own self it starts to bud in the book you don't see it so much in the movie here okay i was gonna ask you to uh, uh, expound upon that but if yeah. it's not really in the movie no but it, i think it i think that's where that sort of starts in you know these books are like 300 pages long mm-hmm. and 
when you translate them into movies, you're, you're going to have to cut some junk. Mm-hmm. And this one did, a, I think, a pretty good job of only cutting the like classroom stuff. Okay. There's a lot of like school things that happen in the books, which are fun to read, but I could see why they may not be so exciting to view. Mm-hmm. And this one brings in the right ones. Like I like it when it really just focuses on like defense of the, against the dark arts with like the Boggart and things like that, which are actually visually really cool mm-hmm. and fun to watch. And then of course the uh, scary creatures, the Hagrid class, whatever he's teaching with like mm. the hippogriff and stuff like that. Those are fun. That's what you want to see. You know, that's the, that's the kind of stuff you want to see on the screen. Yeah. Uh, and so it does a good job of that. So real quick, before we get too far into this stuff. Uh-huh. So I know that there's gotta be like some sort of wizard law because they they mention it a little bit in here cuz at the very beginning he's staying with like his aunt and his uncle uh-huh and his aunt is like mouthing off and like even says that like one thing like if there's something wrong with the bitch then there's something wrong with the pup i don't know like for a children's movie <laughs> uh i mean i like the line but i was still just like what yeah uh and then he makes her like blow up essentially <laughs> Was that was that satisfying for you? It was, but it reminded me. Did you ever see the Twilight Zone movie? Yes. And there's like they go to that town, and there's that like all powerful kid, and like yeah. everyone has to be nice. So I'm like, why aren't all wizards like this? Like, why are they not just like <laughs> tiptoeing around Harry? Like, the aunt must know that Harry like has magical powers i don't think she did like the parents or his uh, his aunt and uncle knew but i don't think and she's like his i guess she must be his aunt too i suppose i don't know but she must know because when he goes to hogwarts where does she think he's going well that's what they say when they're having the dinner he says he goes to saint brutusburg or whatever it is and and he and then she's like they use a cane at saint brutus's boy oh yeah yeah, I've, I've been beaten loads of times. Mm. Excellent. Oh, okay. Is that what they were referencing? Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't quite sure what that was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then, like, later, I mean, like, this is But then all... how do they explain the ant, like, like inflating? So they breeze over that. But one, one way, like, if muggles do witness magic, mm-hmm. um, then, like, there are people who come in and kind of do housekeeping and, and erase Oh, like people's... men in black? Yeah, exactly. They erase <laughs> their memories. Exactly. Oh, okay. And okay. Like make it, they like deflated her and then erased her memory. And anybody who saw her, they went and erased their memories and everything's fine again. I think that's one of those things like you kind of have to be in the know about. You might. They breeze over it really fast. I mean, they breeze over a lot of stuff. And like you get the gist of like if you know the score already, then they're rehashing the score. But like I didn't know the score. Mm. So it's like they would burn through some stuff. I'm like, wait, what was that? What was that, Charles? Like, what did you say? <laughs> Uh, so okay. You, so in that case, you did have to know what was going on. Before. I mean, I I had, and they they talked about when like Harry got to like it wasn't Hogwarts, but it was like he was in some Hogsmeade. Mm. Oh, is that what it is? Mm, no, no, Diagon Alley. <laughs> okay, that. The, and he was talking about like there was some adult there saying like, oh, you practiced your magic in front of Muggles, like that's a big no no. Yeah, and he's like, arrest me puts his arms out and yeah like, we're not gonna do that for blowing up your aunt <laughs> yeah and i was like okay so there is there are laws but no one seems to enforce them yeah that's a, i guess that's a pretty it's like a petty crime okay 
But I mean, they obviously must know that wizards exist, don't they? No, they because they no? can erase people's minds. There are some people. So there's a line. I can't remember if it gets addressed in this one or in four. But there's a line when Malfoy, the blonde-haired kid. I have questions about Malfoy later. Okay, he calls Hermione. Filthy little mudblood. Okay. And uh, that is a term in the Harry Potter universe that means you have magical powers, but your parents don't. Oh. And so, yeah. It's actually, it's really interesting. This is something that I found really fascinating, is that there's a whole bunch of people in England before the movies came out who didn't picture Hermione as white, pictured her as black, because it never says her race oh. um, anywhere in the books. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until the first movie came out, which would have been around... Like 2002, 2003. Yeah, th- the third or fourth book coming out. Oh, okay. That people were like, oh, I never thought of her as a white girl. Which, you know, then like suddenly when you have a slur slung at somebody, it's like, oh, that could mean something else entirely all yeah. of a sudden. But so in that case, her parents would be aware of the fact that like your daughter is magic. She needs to go to this school. Okay. But you have to keep quiet about it. Okay. But for the most part, muggles don't know about magic. Oh, okay. This has been a wonderful <laughs> learning experience. Thank you. I guess I'm a little geekier about this than I thought. <laughs> well, you have read the book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But no, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, thank you for cleaning up that portion of it. Sure, sure, sure. So... One of the things that watching it this time around or watching it at all for the first time ever, (laughs) when I look at movies, sometimes I like separate into parts. Okay. You know, like, oh, the story was really good, but the rest was crap. Or the acting was really good and the rest was crap. Sure. Or like this was good and this was bad or blah, 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 blah. I compartmentalize these things. And with the Harry Potter movies, you know, it's hard to say that any part of it's bad. Yeah. And part of, I think, the draw to it is that for like a big budget movie, it looks very good. It doesn't have the problem that you see with like Marvel movies where it's like the color's kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Like these still seem kind of colorful, even if there is like a color code to it that it's supposed to look really gray muted. or yeah. drab or yeah, muted would, would be a good one. It still seems colorful. Like the colors that are in it still seem vibrant. Yeah. Not that it's been like color corrected to be drab. You know, it's never just like a CGI mess. Like, there is CG, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of props and there's a lot of costumes and there's big set pieces and there's just a bunch of moving parts that all look very good. Yeah. There was a scene when they're getting chased by the werewolf near the end and there's like huge trees, lots of mist, and you can see the roots of the trees going mm-hmm. on. And I was like, they're running through this set. Yeah. It's a, it's a set. Yeah. And it looks fantastic. It looks so good. And... It's one of the, it's one of the things, like, there's so many moving parts to it that are really, like, all just fantastic. Like, the children actors, like, they really hit the ball out of the park in the children acting department. Yeah. There are definitely different directors who pull out their stronger assets. Oh, okay. I would say, I definitely feel like in some of the other movies, the directors didn't know quite how to coach them correctly. Or just maybe they weren't interested in acting for those directors. I don't know. But like this one, I did feel, I felt the same way. I I was like, I feel like this is pretty good performances from all the children this time around. Well, because Daniel Radcliffe has gone on to do other things. Mm -hmm. And so has uh, Emma Watson, Hermione. I don't know if Ron Weasley had, because, you know, redhead. Well, maybe maybe he's been offered roles where he's the villain Villain. or something sexual and said, no thanks. Uh, He's not a lady, so obviously not sexual. 
or since he's British, no thanks. <laughs> I will say there's a lot of redheads in this movie. True. There's a scene sort of near the beginning and it's like they're all like on their way to Hogwarts or something. And I'm like, oh no, there's like redheaded kids. There's a redheaded teacher there. That cat is orange. <laughs> well, the Weasleys are all redheads. So. Uh, but there's also like a set of twins at Hogwarts yeah, that are redhead. That's uh, um, Ron's older twin brothers. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, they're you... Weasleys. <laughs> I was like, God, you put four or five years on them, they'd be prime picking. I get those. <laughs> oh, but I didn't realize they were Weasleys. Yeah, they're they're Ron's brothers. Oh. Um, well, the scene you're talking about, I really want to talk about because it's our signature uh, Kuran Wunner uh, when they're in that. Like, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but they're all sitting down at that long bar. And then there's like, it's a wonder where the dad comes over and says, Honey, wonder if I might have a word. Yeah, sure. Pulls him over. And then there's like a bunch of creative blocking where they're moving with all the posters of Sirius Black moving around. Yeah. And it goes on for, it's not a long wonder, but it's long enough that you're like, okay, this is a continuous shot. So I was looking for wonders because this is a Alfonso Cuaron movie. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of one of the things that he's famous for, you know, gravity, children of men, like all have these big famous wonders in them. And I didn't quite notice that one, but there is one near the end that's not super long, uh, but it's when... It's when they've traveled back in time and they're running from the werewolf. Right. And yeah, because it's just Harry and Hermione, and they like uh, are running from the werewolf, oh. and it go they go behind the tree, yeah. and like the way the camera tracks them like around the tree, it was just like a longer than average shot. Yeah, that's when I noticed the crazy good sets. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, yeah. that's the advantage of doing a oneer once in a while is that you actually get to look around yeah. and see what's happening. And even that oneer, it was like broken up, like when the hippogriff comes in to sort of right. save the day mm-hmm. and then it cuts back and I could tell that they were basically using the same shot. Mm. Like they did like a, a little inject there and then like went back to the regular shot. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm watching this and it's Alfonso Cuaron, you know, when a big name director or a very stylistic director is doing an entry in a franchise, like there's that conflict. It's like, is he going to make an Alfonso Cuaron movie or is he going to make an, uh Harry Potter movie mm-hmm. or is he going to try and do both? Yeah. And so, like, the Wonders is something that I was, like, really keeping an eye out for. And that's that's the one time that I noticed it. But now that you point out the yeah. uh, the one near the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that was. Because, like, yeah, they move from, like, pillar to pillar. Yeah. And then, like, into a hallway. Like, and it oh. ends in shadow, which is really cool. It goes from, like, light to dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, the beginning, we get the light to dark thing. Sure. Because, like, Harry's, like, working on that spell. Yeah. And then, like, he has to hide real quick. Exactly. Which his uncle comes in, like, flips on the light. He's like, Harry? And it's like... How would, like, yelling Harry and turning on the lights not wake him up, but he's still pretending to be asleep? I don't know. But, yeah, you, you get that light and dark, like, right off the bat in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And then he plays with it. Like, we see, as soon as Harry leaves the house, he's filmed in mostly in shadow. Like, it's, like, moonlight-looking mm. almost, which mm-hmm. is also another important part to this to this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, very um, true. So he's really playing with that. Like, you know, what is shadow? Da-da-da. And so, because, you know... While moonlight might illuminate the dark, it's also what causes Lupin to become a werewolf. So, spoiler alert <laughs> for this 13 year old movie. <laughs> I think he plays with it really well in this movie. Like, we but, see I mean, that. Light, is, like, it's also one of the tools that scares off the Dementors. Exactly, yeah. When they're in the train and, like, the Dementor comes in. I was watching, I was like, why aren't they pulling out their wands and, like, pew pewing these, this thing? Like, I, I what? 
what are they doing? And then, yeah, uh, Lupin comes out and does his little light spell thing. Harry faints in this movie three times. <laughs> well, the Patronus is sucking his soul, Matt. That's really tough. <sighs> Wait. It's not Patronus. The Dementor is sucking okay, his soul. Okay, I was going to be I'm like, sorry. whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Sorry, I'm no. confused as to what's the Dementor sucking is, what I here. mean, the Patronus is your soul, basically, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the Dementors, they remind me a lot of, like... The Dead Eaters? The oh. Dead Eaters. From the Lord of the Rings? Oh, is that what they... I was just going to say, whatever those... Death like, Eaters? Like no, shit. That's a Harry Potter thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> whatever those, like, flaming horsemen... What? Yeah, that's them. That's the thing I'm thinking of. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, me too. I and But I think that they're unique enough... Yeah, they didn't... Looking. Stri- yeah, like, they, they look aesthetically similar, but not, like, copycats. Yeah. But... Yeah, they're in that train. I was like, why aren't they using magic on this thing? Especially Hermione. Like, if anyone would have a spell for, like, something unknown coming into their cabin, like, it'd be her. When that train finally does break down, Harry, or stops, Harry goes, Maybe we've broken down. Harry, it's a fucking magic train. (laughs) They don't break down. So they get to to Hogwarts, and Dumbledore is, (laughs) like giving i don't know commencement speech or something talking about the year ahead and he's like oh by the way we have dementors at every post (laughs) i'm like can you imagine going to like an elementary school and being like oh by the way we have uh good guys with (laughs) ak-47s at every post and uh you know they know who's good and who's bad but their bullets don't so watch out everyone (laughs) i feel safer already (laughs) Like, who's making this decision? Like, <laughs> this really seems like some guns rights activists were like, we need guns in every school <laughs> to protect us from the bad guys. Do you think any of the other students were like, fucking Harry Potter? <laughs> if Sirius Black wasn't looking for him, we wouldn't have these dementors around. Yeah, no one really seems to be upset with Harry over this. They seem to get upset with him for being, I don't know, like a goody goody. <laughs> But that not for, like, one... putting their lives in danger. I vaguely remember that being in the books, but I don't know. I might be making that up. That might uh, be a retcon situation. So, I, I've i expressed this before. We haven't watched a movie where this has really come up, but I know that I've talked about it before. Uh-huh. I'm really sensitive to, like, when pets die on screen. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I was really not liking Malfoy in this movie. Yeah. And... So there's the scene where like the 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 hippogriff scratches him uh-huh. like on the arm like non lethal scratch deserved like did you not just hear what Hagrid yeah, said ha- five ha- minutes ago Hagrid was like yeah don't insult them because it could be the last thing you do and he goes up he's like look at this stupid hippogriff <laughs> and he gets scratched on the arm it's like well, hey dumb shit listen for once in your goddamn life the, he he acts it too where he's like oh it's killed me it's killed me. But yeah, and he like goes crying home to mama about it too. And like, it really bothered me that like Buckbeak got in trouble over this. Cause like, hey, fucking Malfoy was goddamn warned about this. Also, isn't the, shouldn't you be signing a permission slip when you take a class called like magical creatures? They had to sign a permission slip, like go to the village or something. Yeah, you should get a, you should know. Also like watching like uh, uh, Quidditch. How is there not like a million deaths a year in Quidditch? Like you fall off your broom, you die. <laughs> and it's like Harry fell off his broom and like 
doobly doo like caught him before like he hit the ground. But still, I'm like, this seems like a really hazardous game. Yeah. Thankfully, in the past, like I think it's one and two, they really focus on Quidditch, and I understand that's because like Harry I, is really excited about Quidditch. I remember Quidditch being a big deal in the first one at least. Yeah, and I th- and thankfully this one it's like they keep it to a minimum because I just I'm not interested in the Quidditch stuff. I sort of appreciate the fact that the wizards ride brooms in these movies. Yeah. It kind of does like a, a gender jarble. Gender jumble. Because <laughs> uh, typically... Gender jarble is my new drag name. <laughs> well, because typically only witches ride brooms, right? Yeah. But the fact that wizards are riding them too, I don't know. It's It's a very subtle displacement of gender norms. And it's nice how they kind of... And I don't know if this is bad, but they uh, they sort of like retake the term witch and wizard. Or, I mean, wizard's not a bad term, but witch can be. But it's like you just equate them. When you equate those two, it's suddenly like, oh, no, it just means a person who uses magic. One's yeah. feminine, one's masculine. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, good on J.K. Rowling. I can't remember the last time I corrected someone when they said Rowling. I enjoy her Twitter feed. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah. God, she does not mince words. And she calls <laughs> out people so well. Yeah. She's... No. Oh, she shuts down trolls like nobody else. She she's got the wit of a drag queen and <laughs> just, you know, the wealth of Paul McCartney. God, she's a great writer. I so this is a fun little thing. When Seven, the Seven book came out, I went to a midnight releasing at Barnes and Noble with my friend Katie Lowry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and there was somebody going around interviewing people for I think NPR or something like that. And they came up to us and we chatted for I don't know if we got used or not, but they asked her like, okay, final question. With the release of this book, J.K. Rowling now has more money than the Queen of England. How do you feel about that? And my friend just goes, good for her. <laughs> and I was like... I, she I earned had, it. I, yeah, and I had like a whole bunch of stuff I was pondering, but then I just was like, no. Yeah, the end. Good for her. Yeah. You can say what you want about like the sort of maybe childish nature of Harry Potter, but like, really, I don't think you can critique too hard like the tenets of storytelling. Yeah. One of the things that I love in in storytelling is foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. So each individual, like the movies that I've seen, all have their own set of twists, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's sort of the fun is like trying to predict the twist. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone loves that. But there's also like big archetype twists. Because I remember even when I saw, I think it was Half-Blood Prince when Snape Mm -hmm. on Rickman, R.I.P., like at the end of that one, he reveals himself to be the half blood prince. Uh-huh. And I felt like that was, and I mean, granted, like 10 years had separated these viewings, but I was like, oh, wasn't like Snape the one that everyone thought was evil in like the first movie? So I thought it really played into that. That's the sort of thing that just makes good storytelling. Like, I don't think that she wrote the first book with this in mind, but she was able to look back at the previous work and use the existing elements that were already there into making this really well-rounded story through it yeah and when you read the book she's so good at like giving you just enough information mm-hmm. to want to keep reading oh, like, okay it's like there's always something in every chapter that makes you want to not put it down i actually mi- called in sick to work during the fifth one because i had like God. two chapters left and i was like i can't <laughs> i can have to finish this so i called in sick but she's just she's so good at that once it's like it makes you want to know more. It makes you want to keep moving that that story forward without ever being bored while waiting. You know, like you may you may not get a, a, a major plot point until every like 40 pages or so. 
but that interim is also interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to Malfoy. Okay. Why is he such a cock? <laughs> he's Cause... at a place learning literally the coolest shit in the world. And he's like, nah, I don't like your hippogriff. <laughs> like, what the privileged. fuck is his problem? He's privileged AF. That's a baby 45. But still, like, this is like the... Like, even amongst privileged people, like, this is the, like, most special place in the world. I I don't understand his dickatry at all in this. Mm. Like, I mean, there are just some wizards and witches who believe that there is a chosen group of wizards and witches that should be, have the power. Is that, like, is, like, does he feel that, like, Hogwarts is, like, muddying up the waters or something by, like, letting in count? Is that, like... Yeah, well, spoiler alert, Voldemort is Hitler. (laughs) And uh, there's like an Aryan race of people or a selected few that are following him, basically. Okay. And uh, they all have blonde hair. Well, because Sirius Black doesn't have blonde hair. No, he's not a Voldemort. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. he doesn't sympathize. I I mean, the way the movie portrays it, it, you know, he's Voldemort's like most loyal follower, but. Yeah. That's a lie. Yeah. Lies. Uh, but okay, while we're on the topic of Voldemort followers, Peter Pettigrew? Oh, Peter Pettigrew, yeah. This was your stumbling point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, like, when they mention him in the movie, Harry gets this map mm-hmm. that, uh, I can't remember what the map is called. The Marauder's Map. And it, like, shows him specifically where, like, certain people are at any given point, like mm-hmm. in real time. But he also at some point sees Peter Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. And he mentions it to Lupin. And they're like, that's impossible. Right. But I guess they mention the name slightly before that. Right. When Harry is in the Leaky Cauldron under the invisibility cloak. Yeah. Which is a cool effect, by the way. I know they just like probably put a piece of fabric over the camera. <laughs> but, you know, it tells us that he's, he's that's what we're seeing. There's a quick thing when McGonagall's talking to the head of the Ministry of Magic, Fudge, Cornelius Fudge, and... Uh, I totally thought you said Fudge as in, like, you forgot his name. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, Fudge. What's his name? They, uh, she, she breezes over it. They think that Sirius Black gave up uh, Harry's parents when, in fact, it was Peter Pettigrew who did it. Oh, okay. And uh, so that gets mentioned then. But they think that... And everyone thinks Peter Pettigrew is dead... Because they think Sirius killed him and not even killed him, but destroyed him and left only one finger. When in fact, this is explained in either one or two, or maybe it's the beginning of four. I don't remember. They, uh, Voldemort cut off one of Peter Pettigrew's fingers and left it at the scene and said, like, you have to live as a rat from now on. Oh, okay. Okay. That might get explained in four, like retroactively. Like they do a little bit of explaining here, but it comes rapid fire. And like yeah, that does that that is a problem with this movie as a standalone for sure. Like I just remember they were talking about it and I'm like what the fuck? like it, it just went by so quickly. I was like I don't know what's happening. Like I feel like I need like some uh uh footnotes here or something mm-hmm. cuz yeah, like and the the scene when it's revealed that that Weasley's rat is Pettigrew like the dynamic in that scene changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. You betrayed my parents. 
You're the reason they're dead. No, Harry, it wasn't him. Somebody did betray your parents, but it was somebody who, until quite recently, I believed to be dead. Who was it then? Peter Pettigrew. It was like Miller's Crossing level. <laughs> the whole time you're supposed to be thinking that they're talking about killing Harry. Like, you're supposed to think that Sirius and oh. Lupin are there to kill Harry, but, like, the whole time they're talking about Scabbers. Oh! <laughs> yeah. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> oh! Yeah. Wow, I did not get that. <laughs> I did not get that. That's the twist. I like this movie more now. Yeah, great. Okay, good. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about how Lupin is basically a coded gay character because I've talked about this before where being gay or queer is represented in film as like a monster um, and also literature with you get like Dorian Gray, you get like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and then here, you know, as a werewolf, right? Like he, he can't control the fact that this happens. We get it at the end when as he's packing up his books, Harry's like, oh, you got sacked, huh? And he goes, no. Uh. Seems that somebody let slip the nature of my condition. This time tomorrow, the owls will start arriving and parents will not want a, um, well, someone like me teaching their children. And it's all, for me, coded as, like, I'm gay. Well, there's that Warren Zevon song, Werewolves of London. Mm -hmm. And I've always taken it to be, like, that people's who they are in the night is different than who they are in the day. Oh, that works for this Uh so I think like the werewolf part kind of plays in that like his nightlife persona is very different from his daytime persona. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I can see it playing into that. And then that ties into the light shadow play mm-hmm. that we've been seeing a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was hard to ignore like the light dark symbolism in the movie because like, yeah, you have like moonlight, like light in the night versus like how you get rid of the Dementors. Uh and then, like, the beginning spell that they're being cast. Like, it just... Even, like, Dumbledore turning, like, blowing out a candle with his hand and then lighting it back up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff was... It, it was sort of hard to ignore because it was everywhere. Yeah. And then that ties into the time theme that goes on, too. Because when you think about it, the first main way we tell time is by, you know, day and Sundials night. Sundials. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, like, you know, the, the movement of the moon. Every every time it comes around is another month. So. I would just like to say the... So, time travel can be tricky in storytelling. Mostly because the logic falls apart. You know, the biggest example would be the Terminator franchise. Sure. Because it's like, okay, this Terminator is sent back in time to kill John Connor. If it kills John Connor, then why was it sent back in time in the first place? Exactly. Wait, if you destroyed them in the past, then he won't ever be your enemy. Then you won't have to send a robot back to destroy him. And then he will be your enemy, so then you will have to send a robot back. And so when it comes to time travel, I was like my tightly constructed ones. Mm-hmm. You know, time crimes being, you know, probably my favorite of like the time t- traveler genre. Mm-hmm. And the way that they did it here, I was like, that is perfect. It works really well. Like, because yeah. it, it does it tight. Like they only go back in time like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. But it allows them, and, like, the way that it played out perfectly, because, like, my heart was broken when that hippogriff died. I know, me too. Uh, 
But it's like, oh, they go back. Oh, it was never actually dead. It was just what they saw, like yeah. that perception of it. And the way they play on, and like even the way that it's resolved, it's like they get to that point right as like they're traveling back in time. I'm like, God, that is like J.K. Rowling like understands the logic of time travel so well. And I think that that's what makes Trelawney, Emma Thompson, oh, uh, the yeah. rhetorical teacher, so important in this because I think that's how Dumbledore knew to like kind of hold back the the minister like when they're getting the hippogriff getting buckbeak out of there he's like oh look this is where they planted the strawberry fields and stuff like because he knew he like did some divination and realized i'm gonna have to stall for time here maybe don't know why exactly but what about emma thompson's character made him think that like I well just because like so there's that's part of the theme in this is that like you know there's uh there's a throwaway line that hermione says like you asked me divination's a very woolly discipline now Ancient runes. That's a fascinating subject. She's always past looking, but like there is an element of looking towards the future in magic mm-hmm. that um, but, plays an important role. And but, I think. But how this... does Dumbledore like pick that up? Well, I'm just thinking that like so when he tells Hermione that she has to go back in time to save things when they're at Hagrid's house mm-hmm. and. Uh, like, I feel like he's stalling for time on certain ex- points. Like, they start to walk out to go kill him. He's like, Minister, I, I really think I should decide as well. And then they go back in, and that gives them time to get Buckbeak away. And then, like, they don't even get him all the way out of the pumpkin patch before they come back out the door. And Dumbledore's like, look at all these strawberry fields. Like, don't look in this direction. I feel like he knew that he had to stall for time in that situation. But there was nothing on screen. No, 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 okay. no. Yeah, this is all my head can Okay, going okay, on. okay. But like, I feel like he had to do some of that divination to, to know that, because when they finally get back, they're like, he's free. We did it. Did what? Good night. Because I was kind of wondering what Emma Thompson's importance was. Like, her character was fine. Well, and that's my argument, basically, is like, this is what her importance is. Okay. Because, yeah, I couldn't quite figure it out. I was like, there's obviously a purpose to her being here. Like they, they didn't like, you know, make a two hour and 40 minute movie or two hour, 20 minute movie and just have Emma Thompson in for giggles. Like there must be something to this, but I couldn't quite divine like what she was there for. You looked into your crystal ball. And, yeah. And con- I was like, I can't, I can't figure this out. That's my thing. So like when I like, I don't know. When you talk about what your favorite Hogwarts classes would be. Regular conversation for me, yeah. <laughs> I lean towards potions, which is Snape's class. Okay. Uh, the plant class, which is Mrs. Sprout. And I really like the idea of Trelawney's class. You know, people poo-poo it as like, this is stupid. It doesn't, you know, it's worthless magic. But when you put it in the context of like, how would Dumbledore know to just like stall for time in that situation other than he looked into the future and saw this. Mm. I mm. think, and I also, I also, when you're talking about a fantasy realm, I like that there is f- fantasy on top of fantasy. Okay. Where it's like the magic they can all kind of explain away. We're like, this is a spell that was written by so-and-so and this is how you do it. And it's like very by the book. I like that there's an even more unknown element to it. Mm. <laughs> Your eyes are turning around so much. Is it because all your fanboyism is just coming to light <laughs> yeah, right now? I'm suddenly very self-conscious. All right, well, uh, we'll we'll take it into fun territory. If the was it the Bogart, Bogart, yeah, Bogart. 
Let's go with Bogart. <laughs> if you were in, 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 the, in the Bogart class, mm-hmm. what do you think the Bogart would take the form of if you were standing in front of it? Existential dread. <laughs> You're just no fun. You know that? <laughs> You're just not any fun. <laughs> no, no. Let me think. Let me think. Uh... Because I know that it would be a hot guy looking at me directly in the eye saying that I'm fat. <laughs> How would you ridiculous that? How would you fix that? He'd become fat, and I'd laugh at him. <laughs> I mean, that scene did provide a lot of good, just sort of jovial humor. Like, yeah. having that spider come out, and mm-hmm. then, like, ridiculous! And, like, it's on roller skates all of a sudden, like, can't keep it. I'm like, that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. That's pretty funny. The clown that the snake. That clown was so much scarier <laughs> than the snake. I watched this movie with Tim, and when it changed to the clown, we both went, <laughs> No, that was a hundred times. I'm not scared of Who's snakes. Who's that girl, by the way? What does she think that that's less scary than the snake? Red flag her. She's trouble. <laughs> that turned into Eileen. Warnos? <laughs> I'm glad you were there for me on yeah. that one. Ooh, she's got she's got some issues, guys. No, like the snake. I I'm not personally scared of snakes. I know some people are, but the the fact that it turned into that clown. I'm also not scared of clown of clowns. I was pissing my pants over that clown. <laughs> the clown was way scarier than the snake. I was like, Jesus Christ, get me out of here. <laughs> I like that scene overall, but like I would feel that if I was actually in that class. It might reveal some things I would not want revealed publicly. I know. Oh, my God. What if your greatest fear was like premature ejaculation? (laughs) And then that's what the whole class saw. (laughs) Or just like everyone seeing your junk and then it's just like a giant thing of your junk. A giant micro penis. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I feel like that. that's That's a private lesson. Yeah, just boy. What's your Patronus? My Patronus. Yeah. So so Harry's takes the form of a stag. They kind of explore this more in the fourth book. But what is your Patronus? Explain to me further what a Patronus is, because I just keep thinking of tequila. <sighs> Not to appropriate too much, but it's basically your spirit animal. <laughs> it's the light. <sighs> it's the light, good force inside you that. I don't know. Here, okay, so let's try it. So so grab your pen and go wave it and go expecto patronum. Expecto patronum. It's a penguin that can fly. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like penguins. I just wish they could fly. Any specific kind of penguin? Is it a chin strap or an emperor or Emperor. A... Mm-hmm. Um They get real cold. Yeah. I feel like if they could fly they'd probably go someplace warmer. <laughs> so a logical penguin. <laughs> What about what about yours? What's your what's your shot of tequila? Let's find out. Expecto Patronum! For the listeners at home, Ryan really waved his arm there. Bat. I like bats a lot. They are, you know, creatures of the night. They they see by hearing. Um I think actually so just to tie it all back in, bats play an important moment in this movie when they're like flying in the night and uh, Harry and Hermione are waiting for themselves to come out of the Whomping Willow and they realize like oh you know night creatures are okay too Mm. Mm. 
But doesn't the Hippogriff like eat a bat later? He does eat a bat in that sequence. But you know, Hippogriff gotta eat. It's true. We're going to talk about what we going to watch next week and get out of here. Next week, we have some special guests coming on. Do we? We do. We are reciprocating the invite that was extended to us from the Deadbeat Film Society. Oh, shit. Kevin and Emily are coming on our show. They don't know what they're in for. To talk about a movie that none of us have seen. Yeah. Called Scorchy. It's a uh, Seattle-based movie, correctly? Yeah, it takes place in Seattle in the 80s-ish. I found out about this movie from uh, the MOHI, the Museum of History and Industry. They just had a section of like movies filmed in Seattle, and this one was the one that popped out to me like, I have to see this fucking movie. When we were on the Deadbeat podcast, you mentioned it, mm-hmm. and like they had heard of it but hadn't seen it, Yeah, and we were all talking about it. it was on my li- it's been on my list of ones I wanted to watch for this podcast, and they wanted to see it, and so we're just we're going to do it. We're jumping in. Yeah. All of us blind. Two Seattle-based podcasts are doing a Seattle-based movie. Who knows what will yeah. happen? We'll find out. Okay, now we can plug our jump. Like, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a wave of your wand and five stars. That's all it really takes. You can also... Follow us on Facebook if you want. That's Rated X Movies. Follow us on Twitter. At X Rated Movies. Tell us what your Patronus is. Tell us which house you're in. You can just email us directly at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Yeah, you could email us with pictures of you wearing You can your, do that now. Wearing your house scarf from Harry Potter. Harry Potter 3! <sighs> and... Visit our brand spanking new website, mm-hmm. xratedmovies.com. All sorts of good junk there. There is good junk. We'll post a, a quiz for which uh, Harry Potter house do you belong to, and it will have one question with four choices. <laughs> Whichever one you pick, that's the one you're in. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for Scorchy with the Deadbeat Film Society. Mischief managed. Bye. Bye. Bye.